Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Before we begin, just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate your support. We record the podcast every Monday and if you do enjoy it, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. After no episode last week, we're back with a jam-packed podcast this week. Obviously, Wayne Pivak named his Wales squad for the Six Nations this week, and it's fair to say there was a surprise or two in there. Uh, John Dole, Matt Southcombe and Mark Orders all sat down after the squad was announced to discuss that uh, selection. You can hear that discussion a little later on in this podcast. But before that, we also sat down with PDC Darts World Champion and world number one Gerwin Price to talk about his incredible success on the hockey and his former career in rugby. Enjoy. Gerwin, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Um, it's two weeks on and, and you're your world champion and world number one. How are you feeling? Well, to be honest, I'm... It hasn't sunk in yet, I don't think, but... Like I said, it's been good to just be doing property and keeping my mind occupied. But I'm sure when the schedule or when the darts start back up and I'm I'm flat out on the road and in hotels, it gives me time to think. Uh, I think it's start to sink in a little bit then. I was going to say, you've probably been too busy between the renovation work and all these seem- seemingly endless interviews, really, isn't it? It's, yeah, that's <laughs> you haven't had a chance. I'm, I'm doing podcasts and interviews and soccer AM and stuff like that, which has been good, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's just um, so many interviews and, and obviously talking like this and then just doesn't really give you time to think. But yeah, it's been good. I, I'm sure I know over the next couple of months when it settles down a bit, it'll start to sink in a bit better as well. Probably got a few contract offers coming in after soccer. Yeah. Um, another sporting switch on the cards? <laughs> well, I had Klopp on the phone yesterday, but the deal wasn't good enough. Like, I, I wanted more money. <laughs> I think Joe Ledley was a bit worried. I think he's looking for a contract at the minute, and you outperforming him. Uh, you, you could tell he was a defender. He, he, he was he was missing a few shots, like but now favourite team. He was a good lad. Be, be honest, then. Um, how many nights was it? Sixteen days now since the, the world final. How, how many nights has the trophy slept with you in the bed? None, none at all. It's been on the island in the kitchen from, <laughs> since since I've gone home. You know, I've uh, had a few pictures with it, and I look at it every day. But yeah, like I said, just. I don't know, it just feels surreal and I just, like I said, it hasn't sunk in tidy yet, but I haven't even had time to think about being world number one, world champ and everything, you know, in such a short period of time, but like I said, when I get a bit more time and just to chill out, be in a room on my own and yeah, just reflect back on everything and just just let it sink in. I still feel pretty nervous now after those final few sort of sets. Uh, what's this two weeks on so God knows how you're feeling <laughs> yeah I mean I had a the game sort of started really slow and then you know after that in the third set I sort of found my feet and found the gears and sort of blew Gary away I think I, I don't know for, for five five sets at least I was really dominant and just put him to the sword and put him under a lot of pressure and then when it comes to that crunch a match winning dart usually I'm you give me a chance, give me one opportunity to, to clean up a match, I'd take it, but you know, it took me 12 times, but <laughs> it might just be because it's a world championship final and becoming world number one and everything just sort of got on top of me, I think. 
Because, like, that, that sixth set, I mean, have you ever put together a set just quite as good as that? Was it 11 data to start? You broke Gary on a, on a one six one checkout, and then so narrowly missed out on the on the nine data. <laughs> it just, you know, obviously you've you've taken Michael Van Gerwen's world number one. You won the title for the first time. It just felt like a change in the guard moment almost. And that sixth set, it was just some ridiculous darts. Yeah, I mean, I know I played well in that set, but it was it was only three legs. I won. I think I won that set three nil. But that's the sort of darts that, that I can play and, and I can sustain that that sort of standard as well. And I, I showed in the Grand Slam final in 2019 against Peter that I think I was averaging 114, 115, 116, whatever it was. You know, when I was 10-5 uh, up, I think, or, or whatever, that's after 15, 15 legs. So I can play that sort of standard over a longer distance as well. But, you know, I thought I played well for five sets, but that one set was... Yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty special. And the, the the other thing to come from it, obviously, you're only the fourth man now to to pass the one million mark in the PDC order of merit. That's um a pretty exclusive club, and it's probably a fair bit more than you'd get for for playing rugby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I suppose that's another little target to 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 chase now. If I can go back up the worlds this year, I know win win a few more majors. Will I be the first ever player to get over the two million? And that's what I'm chasing. <laughs> certainly wouldn't um, bet against you. Obviously, I think everyone knows at this point that you started in rugby. <laughs> it's a pretty well-told tale at, at, at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just, you know, like looking back with some of the, you know, you played Wales under-18s and Wales under-21s. You went to the World Cup, wasn't it, 2005 in, was it Argentina, that, that tournament? Yeah, in Ar- Argentina, yeah. Some of the names you, you played alongside in that team. What, what are your memories like? Alan Wynne Jones was there. Um, I think Jamie yeah. Roberts was making his debut in that tournament. Yeah, well, I think Jamie Roberts played three different age grades for Wales that year. I think he played eighteens, uh, nineteens, and twenty ones. So it goes to show how, how how good a player he was. Like a fair play to him. But yeah, he, he came in late. I think into, into that tournament through a few injuries and. He was he was brought in, but fair play to him for playing three different age grades in one year. But yeah, Alan Wynne Jones was there and a few others. I can remember though playing against New Zealand, and I I, I tried to tack. I put a late tackle in on on the outside half, and how strong are those boys? Like you were, I was an okay. I was pretty strong, but you know outside halves, you sort of put a little cheeky shot in and got myself a little stinger when he didn't even know. Like, but yeah, they were strong boys, and it was a great experience. Or what? listening to them do the ACA and everything and that's all I ever knew and all I ever dreamt of was was playing rugby and you know to think now that I'm playing darts world champ world number one back in those days I would never ever thought I'd be where I am now no it's it's crazy isn't it? like it just got got the team from that world cup in front of me and I think that wasn't that the year they won the grand slam as well in 21 grand slam Wales I think 2005 they, they'd won it yeah, I think they, I I wasn't in the Six Nations squad. I played in the World Cup squad. Um, oh, would it, would it have been Dwayne Goodfield probably playing? Yeah, D- Dwayne Goodfield and Rhys James. That's it. Yeah, I, I know the the forwards coaches for, for Wales under-21s then was um, obviously J- Rhys James was in Newark University. So he got in because of his coach. Dwayne <laughs> uh, Goodfield was playing for Pony Free, then he got in because of his coach. So I was always third choice. But there we go. And I, but I did actually get in because one of those got injured, I think. Um, 
to the World Cup. But yeah, I just wish I had a bit, bit more of an opportunity back in the day. And sometimes, you know, it takes a coach to to get players in. And so, I know I, I'm I'm, a, I'm not a big fan now of of a team sport because I I believe that doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are unless unless you have somebody to pull a few strings then you might never make it yeah what was it like though just being in Argentina for a month you know with all these you know like Wales on 21s it almost feels like you're, you're on that conveyor belt doesn't it like imagine at the time you're just thinking I'm on the right path here and, and it's just getting to go to Argentina with all these boys for a month and, and, and play rugby it's the dream isn't it yeah, but I was I was in the squad all all the way through. But even in the Six Nations, right through, I I played age grades with Wales all the way through. I was in the under twenty one squad all the way through. But I was always third choice, and I believe for those exact reasons, I don't believe that those two players were better than me. But you know, others others will differ and have different opinions. But like I said, you need a little bit of luck, and you need people to pull a few strings. And you know, I I didn't wish anybody to get injured or anything like that, but that was the only opportunity I was I was ever going to get, and that, that was the opportunity I had to go to New, to um, Argentina and play in that World Cup. So, uh, did you see Mark Ring's quotes the other week? Um, I think it probably, it probably went up the, the morning after you won the World Titles. There's a good chance you you probably didn't read it, but um, you're saying that you know you, you could have played for for Wales and the Lions. Um, I don't know if you you saw that, but what, what do you make of that coming from Ringo? Yeah, when I was playing in cross keys, you know, Mark was there for a season and coaching, and and he was always, you know, he always complimented my game and always said how well I was playing and hours that I play in, you know, full time with one of the regions. And like I said, it always comes back to that point that um, you just need that that one opportunity, or a little bit of luck, or someone to pull a few strings for you, and it just never happened for me. And I was always stuck with cross keys or with Neath. It even happened down in Nice, though I was never given an opportunity with, with the Ospreys. You know, I might never have been good enough, but in my eyes and in other people's eyes, I was and just, just never really got an opportunity. I also saw, you played under 18s, wasn't it, as well? I remember, I think Hooky, did James Hook play with you in that team? Cause I texted him just the other day to sort of see if he had any memories of you. He just remembers what, uh, just an all round sort of skillful player yeah, well, the, and, the, and how pacey you were. Yeah, the Wales under 18s, you had um you obviously had the Wales schools, which had the first pick of all the players first, so all the boys that were in school. And then you'd have the Wales youth. So the boys that were left over. So you'd have Wales schools, Wales youth. And I think James Hook wasn't in school or uni or anything. And we were in the same team. And we actually beat the schools down on the null. So all the so-called second string boys that were that weren't picked in the schools, give them a trophy like so that, that was good. But yeah, James Hook and Nicky Downs, all those, and Craig Mitchell, we were all in, in the youth together. I think that was, uh, that was the under-18s. I think we were even in the under-17s, which we won the three nations up in Scotland as well, the year previous to that. Because then you, you'd, have gone, you'd have played a bit with, with James as well at, at Neath, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I have... remember we, were, we played uh, for about two or three years, I think, when I first went down to Neath and we played Ponty and a couple of couple of big crunch matches and I can remember we played them in in, in uh, the Millennium Stadium at the time in the Swaylek or Conicum and Older Cup it might have been called at the time and I can remember James Hook just chipping over the top catching Guinness in the lead and I think I might have been on the bench in that game, that game for Nice and I came on and we were in front but Pondy missed uh, 
pinched it with an interception try right at the end. I think, did James get simbined in that? He might have, I can't remember. I, I know, I know, I know he scored, he scored a try to get us in front and it was, I think we might have actually been like two points behind and we were chasing the game to win and a wild pass was thrown and Ponty done an interception try and that was the end of that. Yeah, I got a feeling uh, Nigel Owens was referee that day. <laughs> I'm not I sure think he James... might have been, I, yeah, I think he might have been. Aye. I'm not sure James is there forgiving him. <laughs> I mean, so talking there, you know, about all sort of things with like it's it's about who you know with coaching and, and sort of just that that sort of how that gets you up the ladder. I guess that's what makes the transition to darts make so much sense because with, with darts, it's it's very much your fate's in your own destiny, isn't it? If if you exactly. fail out there, it's it's on you. But if you succeed, it's all on you. Yeah, exactly. And I and I believe that with, you know, if I was to say to my girls to do anything in life is to do do an individual sport. As as bad as it sounds, you know, I would even if I had had a son, a little boy, I I would try and say, you know, don't, don't go down the roads to football and and rugby. Try and do something individually because then you know if if you're good enough, you can make it. But but in 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 team sports it doesn't always work that way. What what were you like sort of in a group? Because I think I read um, interview did just the other day with um, Duncan McRae. Just you know you'd be sat at the sort of back of analysis meeting. Yeah, really I think that was one of the talk. That was one of the things that probably didn't help me either because you know some people like to be outspoken and you know in the middle of things. You know, and, and and so to speak, you know, up up the coaches back back ends like, and, and I wasn't one of those people. Uh, I would be the one whenever when I'm on the field, I'm a totally diff- different animal. But you know, in in the video video sessions and things like that, I just like to be sat at the back and just like to do my job when I'm on the field. And it's pretty much the same as what I'm like on stage. You know, when I'm on stage, I'm there to do a job. But when I'm off stage, I'm still still myself, still the the same old shine. Shy Gerwin Price, I, I believe anyway, but yeah, I think maybe that didn't help me in my rugby career I, either. I should have probably been more outspoken and got stuck in and took part a little bit more in, in sort of things like video sessions and everything. Do you find that people sort of struggle with that? Almost the, the two sides, you know, with you competing and you away from either the rugby pitch or, or, or up on the hockey, you know, just the sort of you in your competitive mode and then you away from it. Do you think probably coaches struggled with it, I imagine, because they they want their players to sort of be piping up and they probably don't like it any other way. And I guess darts fans now, to an extent, probably struggle with that sometimes. Yeah, that's the thing. When, when I'm on a stage, I'm there to do a job and, you know, I'm there sort of to entertain as well. You know, it's, we, we're not there to be boring players and, it's just trying to find that balance of being an entertainer and, and doing a good job. And you no, know, I'm up there to do a job and earn a living for my family. And no, but I'm not up there just just to be an entertainer and just to do things for the crowd or anything. And it's difficult to try and balance it sometimes. But yeah, with the rugby as well, um, I probably should have sat towards the front a bit more and got noticed a little bit more. And then it sort of reflects on the field as well. And but then I guess that's that's not you though, is it? You know. And- I suppose no, that's, that, that, that speaks I, I more was, to what if, if you should be doing. If you're shy and you're not outspoken and you don't really like to be, you get anxious when you're in, when you're in those situations, you're not going to do it. And, you know, I, I was what I was and I couldn't couldn't change that. You know, I, 
when when I like I said when I was on the field, I was a different animal. I would get stuck in, and I I I used to do my job well, but in video sessions or with where you had to speak up and talk about things. I, I wasn't so good at that part of it, I don't think. Did anyone ever sort of pull you aside and ask you why you were sort of, you know, like do your job on the pitch, but maybe shied away from speaking up nah, off the pitch? And no, no one ever pulled you aside and sort of asked why that was? No, I don't think so. I think they probably knew that I was the way I was, that I was quite shy and everything, but I don't know. It's just one of those things and, I, I, if they used to speak to me, I used to, I used to speak up, but I, I prefer it if they didn't. Like, but you know, it, and then when I when I go and play darts and I like, uh, obviously, if you win a game, you have to go and do an interview. Like when I won against Adrian Lewis in the match play 2015, I think, and I beat him, and I had to do an interview on the stage, and I'm like, chucked in the in the in the deep end, and I just had to do it. But I, I don't know, it's just. It's just a weird feeling, but I, I've learned to deal with it now, and I and I don't mind doing it. But maybe if I was the way I am now, back you know, fifteen years ago, then yeah, I probably would have spoke up a bit more. But I, but it's not it's not about talking. It's not about what you do off the field. I think it's what you do on the field. And my game on the field, I thought was good enough. Oh, well, Wales are having a few issues with their line out, um, so it's never never too late. I'm, I'm just waiting for I'm waiting for a call. <laughs> I mean, the squad, Six Nations squad is being announced tomorrow, so I, I keep your phone on you because Wayne Pivak hey, could be calling. You never, know, you never know, man. I might be in there. I might have a have a couple of months off darts and just get myself fit again. You never know. <laughs> um, I, I guess in terms of other differences with with darts and rugby, I mean, I guess the thing that makes it even more interesting is is the rivalries are probably so much... <laughs> they're, more per, they're more personal, aren't they? I mean, playing for Neath and playing for... You know, you'd have experienced sort of rivalries between clubs, but I guess that's that's nothing compared to you know constantly playing the same guys over and over again on the circuit and developing yeah. the rivalries. Yeah, it is. It is a lot different. Like you said, it is more personal. It is an individual sport, but you know, even even in rugby matches, you know, I was against Mayoka and I used to like try and pin him in a scrum or do do something or, you know, beat him around the field, beat him to rucks. And I always used to try and be better than my, than my, my opponent, my opposite number. And, you know, if, if they used to miss line out, so I used to miss a line out, we try and get each other's head and things like that. And it's sort of similar in darts to a certain extent where, you know, I know what Peter's like, he tries getting your head before you play and sometimes <laughs> on the stage as well. But yes, but it is more personal, like you said, when it's just an individual sport, and like you said, playing players week in, week out, and yeah, if some like when Michael when he was twenty and twenty, and I hadn't won a game against him, I was twenty nil, and then you're just like, ah, oh, once you beat him once, and then you just get that confidence. But yeah, it was getting a bit personal against him, and he kept he kept letting me know as well. And of course, Gary Anderson, which I'm sure you've been asked about so many times in the last yeah, few years. Yeah, it's, but it's only that one game and people yeah. keep bringing it up and saying, oh, but I have no problem with that game. It's just the people who look in from the outside who thought it was a problem with it. But I've been the same player from day one, they, but they don't realise that. It's just that one game they, they always go back to and I haven't changed since it and I and I will never change. And you know, I think that, that game... It'll never be forgotten, but just you know, it's not a be all and end all of what have happened between me and Gary. I don't dislike the bloke, but 
know, we have our differences. Like, I guess the irony was, wasn't he? Wasn't he your favourite player when you were sort of? Yeah, still I always used to like him to do well, and he was the sort of person I used to. Even when I first started, I used to like the high scoring game, and used to be a bit like me. I'd, I'd be scoring really, really well and bomb opportunities, and that's what Gary was like. I think in his early career, he could never finish off games or he's missing a lot of doubles. And I used to hate that when when he because I always wanted him to do well. But I'm not saying I don't want him to do well now and I have nothing against him. But, you know, like I said, we have our differences on the hockey, but I don't, I don't dislike the block. I guess, you know, you, you said that that, 2018 match, you know, it's 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 done, and it's it's not even, you know, it's not it's now not even the biggest match you two have played together. But the one thing it did do was it sort of, rightly or wrongly, it created this sort of pantomime villain sort of role for you, didn't it? Which you know, for a bit sort of lingered over you with certain crowds. Um, I mean, coming coming from playing in Welsh rugby uh, down the clubs, you, you probably had a little bit of experience with the feisty crowds, but I, I guess nothing prepares you for for quite that. Well, the the only feisty crowd I ever played 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 in front of was at Sardis Road. You know, when, when you played against Pondy, the Ole 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 all the time. But apart from that, I, it wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, it was something I was never ever used to. I've never been in those situations before, and under that pressure and, and crowds on my back doing whistling. You know, it's something I had to deal with over the last two and a half three years. Now, well, yeah, two and a half years, but. I thought I dealt with it well and it moulded me into the player I am now. And I strongly believe that had the crowd not been the way they were and got on my back, would I be as good as I am now? Would have I, I think I would have won the Worlds, but probably not for a few years' time. But I just think they brought my career forward and made me into a better player sooner than, than what I would have been. How did you sort of find? How have you found playing without crowds? Because I guess it's it'd be very easy to say, "Ah, oh, well, without the crowds, you're not getting as much abuse." But then, on the flip side, I imagine you're someone who who lives off the sort of the the, the thrill of the crowd as much as anyone. So, how have you found yeah. playing without crowds? Yeah, it's like you need that adrenaline, you need that that buzz of a crowd to sort of get get you going. Even when I used to play rugby. If it was a big crowd day, you'd give that extra 10, 5 10%, and you'd make that extra tackle, or you'd, you'd run that, that extra yard, or go a bit quicker. And it's the same with the crowds in darts. You know, it gets that adrenaline, gets you pumping, and, and gets you concentrated and motivated. But without them, you have to try and find that yourself. And it was difficult early on, especially in the match play. And I'm like trying to find a way to get, get myself motivated. and you know, I just had to think then, you know, oh, we, we, we play in pro tours without crowd and I play well. So I just had to try and bring that into the TV events without the crowd. You had the artificial sound, sounds and everything, but yeah, the more I played without the crowd, the, the better I got. And, yeah, but if the crowds were there in the worlds, what have I won? I don't know, maybe they would have put me off a little bit. But <laughs> I, I still think I would have had a good run and I possibly could have won it as well. It probably probably in Ali Pali, it wouldn't be so bad. It's probably the smaller venues where it's because you probably hear more specific things than, yeah. than you. I think in, yeah, in the large crowd, it, it's it, just it happened just noise. In, in the World Series finals. I think it was only like a thousand people there. That was the first crowd we had back in the lockdown, <laughs> and um, you could just hear that one whistle, that that one 
you could even hear them talking a, a conversation at the back of the room and it's, it's not nice like that's just not the atmosphere you want but yeah I'd rather play in front of 10 11 12,000 than, than just a thousand because yeah just they drown themselves out and, and, and I mean as we as we've said you know you've got a pretty busy schedule at the minute between renovating and all these endless press interviews and, and that's even before the darts really sort of starts off again how much how much do you get to keep up with with Welsh rugby since you made the switch to be honest with you when I was playing I never really used to watch I used to like <laughs> I used to like uh, the only the only games I used to watch was was the international I, I wasn't a I wasn't a big fan of watching any I, like I used to watch the club rugby if they used to have it on on S4C, which was very rarely of the of the, of the Welsh Premiership. But you know, I'd never really watch any regional rugby or anything. Just used to support Wales, so I wouldn't have much knowledge on on the rugby when I was playing. So I definitely got no knowledge <laughs> of it now. So do you, do you get to watch many of the internationals, or is that is that is that about no, it? No, no, most, most internationals. Whenever Wales are on, I'll keep watching. But um, obviously. Sometimes it, it clashes, but when we were on pro tour weekends, so then I just have to you know look check the scores afterwards. But if ever I was free to watch, and when Wales were playing, I'd watch every time. And how many how many sort of rugby lads have been in touch with you since the Worlds? Because I mean, I mean, was, was it Wayne Mardell or was it Laura asking you sort of afterwards, you know, comparing you with names like Richie Burnett and you almost seemed disappointed that you weren't getting compared with the likes of with Martin Williams after winning the world title. <laughs> you know, you, I think your first instinct is to still be sort of among these rugby legends. So how many have sort of reached out to you? Yeah, well, my missus runs a Twitter and a bit of social media for me and she let me know, but yeah, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards and uh, Martin Williams and, and a couple of the boys were tweeting me and yeah but I spoke to one of the boys back from Cross Keys who I used to play for uh, Nathan Trowbridge and a couple of boys on WhatsApp I you know, I met up with Nathan today I know at social distancing I was on my way down to Bridge End I had to go down to see Red Dragon to sort darts out so I stopped off and just had a quick chat to, to Nathan and yeah, it's nice to keep in touch with, with with a few of the boys, and I'm on a WhatsApp group with a few of the Cross Keys boys, which is nice. But yeah, it's nice to keep in touch. And Neat still owe me my hundred my hundred cap. <laughs> they forgot my caps for the hundred games. So Mike Mike from down here's message and said that he'll that he'll bring. I'll get that soon sooner rather than later. So hopefully, when this lockdown is all finished, I can meet up with those and get that cap as well. So get that up on the wall. I was literally about to ask you about that because I think the day after the World Title, I think Mike was doing as many interviews as you about this hundred <laughs> caps. So I was going to ask if it had arrived. Um, clearly not. Um, after after wait and see for that one. But yeah, Mike's. I think Mike's done well out of it on the interview. Uh, on the interview <laughs> No, that's been good. He's, he he did message me and say well done and everything, and I said yeah, just make sure you keep hold of that cap for me. So that's that's you know talking to caps. That's always the question you tend to get asked, isn't it? You know, would you would you swap all this for for a Wales cap? Um, I guess now the answer is probably a bit different to what it might have been in early December. Yeah, I don't think I give everything up now for for one Welsh cap. You know, if I if you were to give me ten years of playing for Wales and you know two tours for the British and Irish Lions, then yeah, I, I'd, I'd give it all up. Like, I mean, you know, you you won a World Cup. And and your world champion, you know, you won the World Cup with Johnny Clayton. That's something that 
Alan Wynn and, and Jamie Roberts haven't gone on to do, have they, from that Wales under twenty one day? So uh, you're not doing too badly. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right as a data, but you know, when, when I was younger, if I could have had the career they have in rugby, I, I think I'd I'd be very happy. And like I said, if I could have Alan Wynn's career and give up my my darting career, would I do that? Yeah, I probably would. I mean, I think anyone would give up their career for Alan Wins. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. And I, and I, I came through the age grades with Alan, Alan Wynn as well. So that's what I mean. If that was the, that was the dream I had to do exactly what he's done and Jamie Roberts and and everybody else. So yeah, that was that was the sort of journey I thought that I would take. But yeah, I missed the boat, and here I am, world champ, world number one. So I can't argue. Exactly. Did you do you remember much about what? Alan Wynn and Jamie were like. Yeah, I can I can remember Alan Wynn. I can remember a training session down in um, I think it was Sophia Gardens in Cardiff, and he was always really chopsy. He was a sort of captain role, and always you no. Know, he used to call lineouts. He used to be out there outspoken. I can even remember. I think it was him and Reese James and the the other hooker were having scraps in training sessions, and they were just those sort of boisterous player but I think maybe if I'd had that that sort of energy in not not so much energy in training but just a big mouth that's what he had like and that's the way he was and he was outspoken and and just led from the front and he's done it well for Wales and the British Lions British Irish Lions so fair play to him I just think I needed that that energy as a captain role and more outspoken like, like he was and yeah, he's he's a he's a Welsh legend uh, as he should be. So could you just tell from an early age that he was just going to go places? Yeah, he was a, obviously he was a he was a very good rugby player as well. But he just had it about him. He had that captain role that 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 he could live up to as well. And yeah, he was he was always one of the boys that led from the front, and he was always a good good very good rugby player as well. Brilliant. Um, and and you know, as you said yourself, you know. You probably wanted that boisterous sort of energetic side. Yeah, but I was like it on the field, just not off the field. And yeah, I don't know if I should have. I well, I can't say should have because it wasn't me. Like it was just that was just my personality. But you know, personalities don't 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 make well. They do make rugby players. But when I was on the field, I, I was I was a different person. And I don't know. We can all look back and ifs, buts, maybes. But I don't know. I'm. I, I am where I am now and, and I'm happy I'm earning a living for the family I, I'm successful in, in the sport I'm playing now so yeah I think the rugby the rugby days are gone and just need to be left behind you know I think yeah exactly I suppose you know darts is the perfect avenue for someone who's probably quite boisterous up on the hockey but maybe sort of quieter away from it isn't it I think it, it, that's the perfect balance there isn't it <laughs> I believe so. I, I I don't say you have to be boisterous, but you just have to have that energy about you and just be confident on the stage and just play your game. You know, not everybody's confident, but they still play well. They still do well out, out of the game. They might not be be in the Premier League or they might not be in the World Series, but you know, I think that that when you have got that sort of energy and that sort of game on stage, they're the sort of benefits you, that you can have as well. I mean, you're clearly doing something, right? You know, you <laughs> hopefully this time next year you'll have two million in in the in the order of merit. Um, yeah. Unless unless your phone goes tonight and it's either Wayne Pivak or Jurgen Klopp. 
Ah, well, if I prefer Jurgen Klopp, I, I just give me a Liverpool contract, and I'll, I think I'll have two million in the first month. I was going to say, if you want to make two yeah. million, that's the quickest way. I'll definitely give darts up if you just keep, one year. I want for one one year on a footballer's wage. I'll retire for life. Oh, wouldn't we all? Well, Kevin, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the the podcast. Um, I'll let you get back to um, supervising the renovation by the sound of it. No worries, but thank you. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. On the day Wales have named their Six Nations squad, plenty of surprises in there. And here to discuss all that are rugby writers Matthew Southcombe and Mark Orders. Matt, I will uh, begin with you. Quite a few shocks in there, and uh, maybe let's start uh, in the front row. None more so than Rodri Jones, a real surprise selection. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, as, uh, if you look further down the press release, you see Nicky Smith is injured. Um, so, kind of goes to explain why uh, Pivak has had to dive a little bit deeper into his uh, stocks in the front row. Um, I did, you know, Mark can speak more to the the form of, of Rodri Jones. Um, obviously, has, has been battling for game time with Nicky Smith down at the Ospreys this season. I, I did think perhaps there may be calls uh, for Corey Domachowski to get a shout. Uh, been keeping Reese Carey out of the Cardiff Blues team and by all accounts have been playing very well this season. Um, so I wonder if he was part of the conversation when Wayne Pivak was selecting his front row stocks. But, you know, Rodri Jones is a guy who has been messed around a lot in the past um, when it comes to whale selections and tried to turn him into a tight head. It didn't quite work. And there's been a lot of talk about how that set his career back in general. Um, so, yeah, it is a surprise to see him in there, um, kind of enforced by by injuries, I suppose. But uh, he's not going to care about that, really. If he gets a chance, uh, he's obviously going to give it his best. But uh, I thought, yeah, the only, the only other person I think they could have perhaps turned to could have been Domachowski. But obviously, Jones has been playing quite well for the Ospreys this season. Yeah, Mark, I mean, you're a keen watcher of the Ospreys. How well has Rodri Jones been playing? Yeah, he's been playing. He's been playing quite well. I mean, they're obviously down. You know, there are sort of two players injured with Rob Evans and Nicky Smith injured. Um, they are persevering with Reese Carey, who uh, who's yet to really sort of catch fire for Wales, and uh, Norfolk Cardiff Blues actually. But he did show a lot uh, with Saracens when he played um, in terms of potential. I think Rodri is. Um, He's a good player. He's, uh, I would suggest he would be one of the best defensive players in the Pro 14. He rarely misses a tackle and uh, he completes his tackles as well. And his scrummaging has been pretty steady. Um, he's not the, he doesn't sort of uh, stand out as a carrier, but the basics of his game are good. He's got a bit of experience, and I think it would might have been a little bit of a risk for Pivak to sort of go with Wynne Jones and two relatively inexperienced players like Cody Domachowski and Reese Carey. So, hence, I think Rodri, uh, Rodri comes into the mix. Mm, OK, another selection to catch the eye, Matt. Uh, Dan Lydia returns from the, the international wilderness. We, we sort of publicised it before. We thought it may, it may well happen, given his form. Uh, has, has he got a good chance of being in that starting team, looking at that squad? Yeah, he's got every chance, I guess. Um, if you look at you know the likes of Josh Navidi, hasn't played for a very long time um, after suffering the effects of concussion. Um, it's good to see him in the squad, though. Um, that's positive. Uh, but if you look elsewhere in the back row... I, you know, you assume Falatau is going to start 
Um, number eight, the new assumed Tipperick is going to start on the open side. So then it's basically a shootout between uh, Navidi, Lydian and Wainwright uh, for that number six shirt. Uh, like we said, Navidi's fitness is is still in question. Um, so we'll we'll see how he comes through training. Maybe he plays uh, for the Blues on the weekend against the Scarlets. That's yet to be seen. Um, so he's got every chance. Um, you know, I do feel a little bit sorry for Shane Lewis Hughes. Um, arguably one of Wales's best players in in the autumn campaign. Uh, you know, you do wonder. You know, they they look at stats a lot. The the management team and the analysts. And you know, I did notice a few of the younger players in the autumn campaign started to struggle with the pace of the game at times, which is understandable given it's the first time that they've sort of experienced it at that level. I just wonder whether Lewis Hughes tailed off a bit in the sort of final quarter of games, um, and whether that was picked up by. By the management. Um, either way, I think it's harsh to leave him out. Um, you know, there's enough experience in that back row uh, to to carry someone as inexperienced as Lewis Hughes, relatively speaking. Um, but you know, it's not to take away from what Dan Lee has done. He's been playing very well for the Ospreys. Um, you know, there's nothing subtle about his game. You know, he, he is what he's always been, uh, which is a, a very solid defender and and a very physical ball carrier. Um, he's in the squad. He's got a chance of starting. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, maybe a surprise to see Josh McLeod in there ahead of James Botham, considering how much Botham played in the autumn. Obviously, McLeod was injured just before uh, that action began. Yeah, Josh McLeod is uh, is a, an excellent player, as is um, Botham. Into, but Botham's uh, you know, a year, possibly a year or two younger. Botham's got a big future at test level, like Shane Lewis Hughes. They're going to play a fair bit of rugby for Wales, I would imagine. Uh, as you hinted but there, John, really, I think that uh, Josh McLeod was the original selection for the uh, autumn series and Pivak is sticking by him and uh, he is good. He'll win turnovers. He's, uh, he, he's an excellent defender. And uh, so I haven't got a, a sort of quibble with that at all. I think Lydiat, in terms of his form, going back to him, if I can, I think he's been outstanding. Just uh, is. Defensive play has, has been superb, but he has a, a galvanising effect on those around him. He's a leader. And when you're picking a squad for tournament rugby, like you know, the Six Nations, you need leaders in your squad. And uh, Lydiat is uh, is playing arguably the best rugby of his career. So I wouldn't have any problems uh, with his selection at all. Yeah, good man, good man. A final word maybe then, Matt, on the, on the pack before we move on to the backs. Adam Beard re- returns. Obviously, he was a bit of a surprise uh, omission in the autumn, but he's been in good form, so he comes back in the second row. And uh, looking at the hooking situation, obviously, Ken Owens back, which is a big, a big, big bonus. And uh, it's Sam Parry who misses out, uh, potentially because of a, a bit of an injury. Yeah, I'll look at the second rows and let Mark pick up the hookers. But, you know, Beard is back in. Like you said, it was a surprise the way that he was sort of cast aside by Pivak almost last year. Um, but Wales have got issues in the second row with injuries. You know, Alan Wynne Jones hasn't played since the Italy game in December. You know, we we await to see if he's going to be fit to start the tournament. Uh, same goes for Jake Ball. Um, you know, spoke to Glenn Delaney earlier this morning, who's very non committal on his fitness at the moment, but he's obviously um, doing enough to to suggest that he'll be involved at some point in the Six Nations. Um, and Will Rowlands took a bang as well recently. So Wales have got a few injury problems there. Corey Hill is very good in the row. You know, often tipped by many as a future Wales captain at, at one point or another in the past. So, you know, there's no, there'll be no issues if he has to start. And, you know, Adam Beard's a quality operator. You know, he 
he was, was he went undefeated in something like the first 17 or 18 mm. of his Wales games. You know, he's a quality player. Will have probably been quite hurt by the way that he was cast aside, so comes in with a point to prove. And um, yeah, I'll let Mark pick up the hookers. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a bit surprised that Sam Parry has been omitted because I thought he was the best of the three hookers during the autumn tests. Ken had to come back, of course. Ken Owens as the senior hooker, but uh, when Wales played Italy in that final game, there. Uh, lineup was markedly improved, and I'd suggest Sam Parry's sort of presence was key to that. Really, I uh, came back for the Ospreys, and uh, he had two or three really good games. He did pick up a bump then against Worcester when he was absolutely on top of his game, and he's been absent for two or three weeks. And so um, he obviously hasn't had a chance to sort of press home his case. But even so, I'm uh, I'm surprised at that one and. Yeah, I think it's a you know a, a question that some would uh, a selection that some would question. Yeah, okay. Well, Wayne Pivak, I'm sure, will explain it. He's got a press conference in about 15 minutes, so we'll. Uh, I know Matt's got to be at that, so we'll crack on uh, with with the backs. Uh, big talking point there, I suppose, is is the scrum half situation. Reese Webb axed from the squad. Matt Kieran Hardy uh, is picked. Are you, are you surprised by that selection? Yeah, it was. It did come as a bit of a surprise to me. Um, you know, if you looked at the hierarchy of the scrum halves um, that were picked in the autumn, you'd, you'd say Gareth, Gareth Davis, and, and Reese Webb were vying to be at the top of that list, and then Kieran Hardy and Lloyd Williams would would sort of uh, follow them up. So I'm surprised to see Hardy overtake Webb uh, in the standings. But I suppose if you look at the the relative performances, has Reese Webb done enough to warrant selection in the last few weeks? Um, it's arguably not. So um, then again, I didn't think Kieran Hardy's had a particularly good festive period either. So a little bit surprised by that. Um, but what it does do is send out a bit of a message, um, not just to Reese Webb, but to any players really. You know, you can't. There, there was a lot of us, including myself, who just assumed that Webb would be selected because he is Reese Webb. Um, now, clearly, that's not enough anymore for Wayne Pivak. Um, and that's the way it should be. Uh, so I was surprised to see that. I'll, I'll be honest with you, but um, like I said, it, it, I guess in in some ways it's a it's a positive move from from Pivac because it does send a bit of a message that you've got to be playing well to to warrant selection. Yeah, indeed. In terms of the outside half situation, Mark Jared Evans is back. He's obviously been in fine form. A lot of talk before the announcement that Reese Priestland might be uh, included. He's he's due to move back to Cardiff Blues for next season, which would have allowed him to be picked. But he's not. He's not in there, and, and Jared is in there alongside Bigger and Sheedy. Yeah, I, I think that's it's a, it's a difficult one. It was a difficult selection, I would suggest, for Pivac because there are a lot of senior players of, in Welsh rugby have been playing well, including Jamie Roberts and Reese Priestland's been playing well for Bath. Uh, Jared Evans had that one fine game for Cardiff Blues, so we know he offers something different. So I think he's just been, I think he's just been picked for that, and Wales have obviously seen potential. In him, he uh, is he is a, a game breaker, and uh, it's always useful to have one of those in the squad. Um, whether or not he's convinced everyone of his ability to control a match and and play with real authority remains to be seen. I I, I think he's a good player. I've got. I haven't got too many quibbles with his selection. I think what Wales have done is is look for a balance and put in a guy like Lydiat in the back row, who, who's 30-plus, and then perhaps leaving out other senior players, if you like, or seasoned players like Jamie Roberts and Priestland. 
think it's always a balance between playing for today and looking after tomorrow. I think Jared is a young player uh, with a lot of ability. and uh, I think that a lot of the public would, would possibly support his selection. Yeah, indeed. Another old face, only a youngish guy, so Hallam Amos is back in the squad, Matt, which may be a bit of a surprise. He's been out of the picture for a while. Uh, a few injuries in that, that department. I think Jonah Holmes is injured. We probably would have expected to him to be in the squad, so he's filling that that berth. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hallam Amos is a bit of a funny one because he, he can blow hot and cold. Um, you know, at times, he can go three or four games without really doing a lot. Um, but then you look at some of his performances for the Blues recently, um, and he has started to play well, particularly the game against Newcastle, which I covered, I thought he was fantastic in. Um, you know, really came alive in the second half of that game and and played a key role in a couple of tries. Um, so, he, so he comes back in. I, I think you touched on Jonah Holmes being out injured there, but I think Johan Lloyd is perhaps a, a touch unlucky. Um, you know, by all accounts, you speak to our colleagues over the over the bridge, and they'll tell you he's playing consistently well week in week out for Bristol. Um, you know, I think during the autumn we saw that he's still a work in progress at Test level, obviously, um, given his relative age and and sort of build at this point in time. You know, I, I know it can be quite an old fashioned view sometimes, but he does need to put on a bit of weight. Um, you know, he needs to grow into his body a little bit more. I think he's still only in his late teens. So, you know, there's plenty of time for someone like him. But, you know, if he's doing it in the Premiership for Bristol, then, you know, might have been worth calling him back in to have another look for this camp. But, you know, what you get in Amos, I suppose, is is a number of caps, been to World Cups, knows the scene. And if, if Wales get, get injury problems in that department, I suppose you wouldn't have any problems with throwing him in in the big games against Ireland, England and France for example, whereas Johan Lloyd, perhaps you would have a few concerns if, if it came to that. So I can understand the selection, but I, I think Johan Lloyd probably, you know, I'd be surprised if Pivak hasn't had a little conversation with him just to let him know, still in his thoughts. But you know, at this point, he's perhaps gone for experience. Yeah, OK. And just, Mark, looking at this squad then as a, as a whole, where are, your, where are your concerns as we head into the Six Nations where, where, where Wales might have trouble up front perhaps in that front row the fact that we are talking about Rodri Jones being in the squad you know fifth choice well yeah I mean certainly the front row there's shall we say there's potential for problems if anything happens <laughs> Francis um, we'll know all about him let me tell you um, in the scrums anyway um, I, I you know Sam Sully is injured so that clearly ruled him out uh, I don't know the state of play with Will Griff John he did play over Christmas Prior to that, he hadn't been playing much, but he can scrimmage. I might have been tempted to uh, include him if he's fit uh, because he offers a, a scrimmaging backup, if you like, uh, to Tom Francis. Um, so I, I think that um, there is potential for things to to yeah become a bit turbulent in the front row. Second row, a little bit concerned given the injuries. I think the back row, there's a lot of talent there. Myself, I would have um, included Reese Webb. I think um, when he played against Cardiff Blues a few weeks ago, uh, Ryan Jones called aspects of his game world-class. That night, he controlled play well. I thought he had the better of Thomas Williams, well, though Thomas Williams played the following week. Um, I, I mean, it'll, it'll all depend on how the Wales forwards sort of front up. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting Six Nations, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, indeed. What, what about what about you, Matt? How confident are you feeling now? You've seen the squad. 
Yeah, kind of similar to Mark in many respects. You know, we saw Wales were undermined by their forward pack largely in the autumn. Couldn't get go forward ball, um, struggled at the set piece. And if that happens again, then they've got no chance. Um, you know, and on the Jared Evans selection, again, you know, we know how good he is on the front foot um, as he proved against the Scarlets. Now the question marks are on it around his game and when he's on the back foot, uh, when the ball is slow and the forwards are getting dominated. And, you know, recent evidence suggests that Wales' forwards can be um, out-muscled and, 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 you know, on the back foot. I'm not sure Jared Evans is going to be much good in, in that situation. Um, so it does all come down uh, to up front. And basically, the set piece needs to be three or four levels better than it was uh, in the autumn. Uh, and they need to find a way of generating momentum. And I think Josh Navidi is going to be critical. Uh, if he can prove his fitness, I think he was probably one of the players Wales missed most uh, in the autumn in terms of the speed of ball at the ruck um, and carrying. I think they missed him big time. Um, you know, but out in the backs, I think you've got a number of players playing well at the moment. So there's there's a lot of uh, potential for the back line to cause damage, but it all starts uh, with the forward pack and, and they have to be better as a, as a unit if Wales are going to do anything in this tournament. Yeah, okay. Uh, final thought from you, Mark. Uh, plenty of comments coming in. People uh, disappointed to see certain players missing. Who, who is the unluckiest player in Wales today, would you say? That's, that's, that's you know, that, that's... Reese Webb would probably think it's him. <laughs> Jamie, <laughs> Roberts has, Jamie Roberts has been playing really well, but again, I think Wayne Pivak was faced with this challenge of achieving a balance between you know, playing for today, looking after tomorrow. I think on form, Jamie should have been in there. I think uh, at the Ospreys, a young kid called Matt Prothero, he must be one of the most exciting young players uh, on the scene right now. I think he's a little bit unfortunate. Um, maybe he just needs to prove it over a longer period in, in for the Ospreys. And uh, as I say, it is tournament rugby, so perhaps Pivak felt he couldn't afford to gamble. I think Sam Parry will feel he's a bit unfortunate too. Um, but yeah, Reese today will be uh, uh, yeah looking at w w what he supposedly has done wrong. Well.